Genesis chapter 29, verse 31. Last week we began a series uh, called Core. And we're looking at the core values of our church. Um, we have five. I'm breaking them up into ten sermons. I could break them up into the rest of our life. And that's not a joke. I know that sounds funny, but it's really not. not. It's funny because you well, last week we talked about the, the first of the five is being submitted and committed. That we are a people that are submitted and committed. I want to go ahead and just say this first. It does no good to be committed to something if you're not first submitted to it. Because there's a lot of people in the church that are committed, but they're not saved. And they, they, they make a determination about their salvation based on their commitment. Your commitment doesn't save you. But that does not mean that commitment is not valuable inside the life of the church. And for us as believers in Christ. There are some non-Christians that are more committed than Christians. What makes our commitment powerful is who we have submitted ourselves to. And so I think it's important for us to talk this morning and say, submit first to the Lord, then live a life joined to him in commitment to the world. Submission is about the heart. Commitment is about the will. I am thankful, I don't know about you, I'm thankful that we serve an I am, I will God. And so in just the very nature of who God is and his character, he is an I am, I will. We are submitted to Christ, we are made new in his likeness, and we will be committed to his ways. For his ways are higher than our ways, yada, yada, yada. It's in the Bible and all that good stuff, right? I yada, yada the Bible. That was weird. <laughs> Genesis 29. So today I want to talk about commitment. And, uh, but I, I just think it's important that if I'm going to hammer on commitment, that we must understand that submission is a prerequisite for commitment. Do, don't you dare be committed to a thing. Don't you dare be committed to the ways of God, but not submit your heart to Him as Lord. Because yeah. you're getting it all backwards if that's the way you live your life. I'm going to say it again. Don't you dare commit your ways to the Lord without first submitting your heart to Him. Then we can talk about commitment. But did you all get that, right? Don't go out of here and, and be like, I'm going to commit my life to Him, but you hadn't even made Him Lord yet. Because that's just, get, you're getting it all backwards. Genesis 29 we have an Old Testament text here that gives us a wonderful breakdown of the progression of the life of a believer. From being lost to being found to being committed and joined to living a life of praise. And it's a wonderful story. I don't even know if I can get through all of it, but we'll do our best this morning. Genesis 29, 31-35 says, When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was, <laughs> oh man, okay, yeah, I'm going to mess with that a little bit. That'll be fun. Rachel was the pretty one. She was the voluptuous one. She was the one that Jacob worked seven years to get and to marry and to enter into covenant with. It was not Leah. Leah was the other sister. 
It actually says of her that she was tangly-eyed. <laughs> Let me break that down for you. Whenever you looked at her eye to eye, you never knew which eye to look at. <laughs> I did pretty good there, didn't I? She was tangly-eyed. She was weird. Her name actually translated mean gazelle. You do what you will with that. But, but Rachel, although beautiful on the outside, had some problems on the inside. And isn't that much like life today? There are people who can impress you, shock you with their talent, but that is not necessarily indicative of what's happening on the inside of their life. Deep down in the core of them, there's something missing and something broken. I would rather take a, 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 a submitted, committed person with very little talent than somebody with talent with nothing down in the core of them. <laughs> Any day of the week. And the reality is a lot of talented people will ride on their talent, ride on their gifting, and never really commit themselves wholeheartedly to anything. Because they got talent. Because they got looks. Because on the outer man, it looks good. I, I deal with people inside the church all the time. Let's talk about people outside the sanctuary for a second. Let's not pick on you. Let's give you a break. But there are people today... While we're having service in here, teachers in the children's room, whether that be in Uptown or Little Villa or downtown, downtown in Rock City, it's city, so I said downtown. That should be our new phrase here, downtown in Rock City. There's teachers that have been given lessons at the beginning of the week. Now, I would, I would propose to you this morning that many of those teachers, it's possible, I don't know, I'm not in their house, but many of those teachers write on their talent and don't come prepared. You're like, can't you talk about another church? I'm just being real. Because we, 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 it's a lot to prepare for something. We want to volunteer to be up front and lead, but we don't want to do the necessary things to prepare for it. I've known some talented youth pastors, not our youth pastor. I'm not talking about our youth pastor. Our youth pastor is committed. But I've known some talented youth pastors who could get up, never prepare a lesson, hardly read the Bible all week long, and knock it out of the park. That does not give you the right, because you're talented, to not have anything deep down in here that pursues God in your life. And there are a lot of people in the world who ride on their talent but won't spend the time that it takes to throw their whole self at something to be great. And we're not going to be those kind of people. We're not going to teach those kind of children classes. We're not going to preach those kind of sermons. We're not going to lead that kind of worship. And I want you to know, anointing matters, but if you won't spend the time to improve your craft, then you haven't thrown your whole heart at the thing that you want to be used by God to do. And God's saying, you may look pretty on the outside. It may look nice in the background. You may sound good on the outside, but if you have all of that but no real heart commitment to God, then what are you exactly? 
And God's saying, I want to see something down on the inside. You can be tangly-eyed. You can look weird. You can look nasty. You can look messed up. But I will. Listen, don't, don't, don't forsake Leah too quick. Because, because even God has a way of giving everybody something. I love that, man. That messed me up. Because I'm kind of messed up sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I, I watch back my sermons. And I wonder why y'all come. But God has a way of giving everybody something. And whether you like my style, whether you like my delivery, whether you like what I do, whether you, whether you would pass me in a speech class, I came here today to tell you God's given me a little bit of something. It may be tangly eye at times. Trust me, it is, it is, it is, it is. But God's given me a little bit of Spice on that. Just to, but when other people forsake you, when other people don't believe in you, when other people doubt you, he gives you just enough to get you by. And where everybody else is barren, you got a little bit of, uh, of something get, get, you know, growing in your womb that you can give birth to in your life. When everybody else is forsaking you, when everybody else doubts you, when everybody else thought you're worthless, God will open up your womb and give you something that everybody else was barren in. <laughs> That's everybody. He gives everybody something. I love that right there. I mean, that just, we could probably just stop right there and just go home. That's good stuff. So Rachel was barren, but she was pretty. Leah wasn't pretty, but she wasn't barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. Everybody say Reuben. For she said, now this is giving the definition. So it'll give the name of the son, and then it's going to give the definition of the son. I know because I've looked it up. All right? And so this is basically an explanation of what Reuben means. Names meant something in the Old Testament. She said, I, I bore a son. I named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, now therefore, my husband will love me. He looked, everybody say looked. This is about sight. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. Everybody say, what was the name? Go back. Oh, Simeon, yeah. I actually, in my notes, I have that backwards, so that's going to mess my sermon up. Simeon, and called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now, this time, my husband will be attached to me, joined to me, committed to me. Literally translated. Attached. A lot of times in the Bible, whenever you read the word devoted, that is committed. We are to devote ourselves to prayer. We are to de There's a lot of prayerful people that are sinful people. There's a lot of people who have not been saved who have devoted themselves to prayer. Be careful to not be committed to something before you first submitted to it. Just because you've committed yourself to prayer does not mean you're saved. I did it like that and made it hit in a little bit better. You're saved. Anyway. Now this time my husband will become attached to me, joined to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name will be called... Levi. 
And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name. And then she stopped bearing. Can I just go ahead and throw this out there just, 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 just for cuz? Just for cuz. Is that once you enter into praise, you don't need nothing else. We, I, I believe as a church, we believe that God has empowered us. We, we listen, we, we, how many of you have ever seen some obstacles fall in your life? Some of you need to see some obstacles fall in your life. But as a church, we believe that God takes down giants. I'm just going to go ahead, though, because this is the nature of our title today. It's really, really, really difficult, really profound commitment. Giants don't fall without your commitment. There is this age-old discussion today that Jesus has done everything, so we have to do nothing. Jesus has done everything to empower you to do something. And many of us are trying to pray giants out of our path, but God has put you in the path of the giant to defeat the giant. Just, listen, David was skilled. Track with me. David was skilled and anointed to kill the giant. But his skill and anointing could only be released through his commitment to run at it. And many believers today aren't running at their problem. They're scared of their problem. And fear has paralyzed the people in the church to be inactive and ineffective for the kingdom of God. And all of earth is groaning and moaning trying to push out somebody that will run at their giant. Come on, man. Leah had been given to Jacob. It was actually, he was actually swindled into it because he worked seven years. Track with me. He worked seven years to marry Rachel. Here's the story. The story is so crazy. The story is so crazy. So they get married. They have a party. They go to their tent. They have a party. In the morning, he wakes up and he looks at Leah and he's like, Wait, you're not Rachel. How does that happen? <laughs> I mean, if you're Leah, I get it because she can't even see straight. But, I, but if you're Jacob, I don't understand. <laughs> so he don't even know if you can laugh at that. You're like, like I, don't even, I don't even know. But he wakes up and, he, and, he, and he's like, wait, this is not even the right person. So he goes back uh, to, to Laban and he's like, what do I, I, I wanted to, Dude, I, wanted, I worked for Rachel. He's like, you can work another seven years. He works 14 years to marry Rachel. Some of you can't even work a day. <laughs> he worked 14 years. Some of us can't even be committed for, for, for longer than a week. He worked four, He committed himself for 14 years to this man for something he wanted. The, the problem is, many of us as believers, once we believe in Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit, we, listen, this is not, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. 
we have everything because we have the Holy Spirit, but many of the things that we have are in the unseen and have to come to the seen, and it requires your commitment. You have it, but it's not yet seen yet. You have it, but you don't have it. You have everything you need inside of you, but just because you have a little bit of oil in your cabinet doesn't mean it's a bunch of oil. And it requires some commitment to go get some vessels from your neighbors and and get those things and begin to pour the little bit of oil you got into the vessels you got so that you can have a bunch of oil. You got it, but you don't got it until you commit yourself to do what you need to do to get the overflow, the blessing that God has for your life. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, I, oof, 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 people, oof. Oh, my goodness. Leah was a consolation prize. And he worked 14 years for her. Seven years for her and 14 years for Rachel. He worked 14 years. <laughs> so Leah is married to somebody that doesn't even love her. That doesn't even see her. Doesn't even see her. Tra- track with me. He doesn't even see her. He gets married to her. He makes love to her on the night of their wedding. He doesn't even see her. He doesn't even see her. I think that's important for us to talk about today. Because many of us are burdened by the fact that we're not seen. It says of God that where can you go outside of the all-seeing eye of God? For he sees all things, knows all things, and is all things to all people. It is a good thing that God sees you. When you're in your closet, he sees you. When you're in your car going to work, he sees you. When you're in trouble, he sees you. When you don't know if you can pay your bills, he sees you. He sees where you're at. He sees what you're dealing with. He sees you. He cares about you. It's important to know today that you're not forgotten. It's important to know today. I'm not Mr. Pastor Encourager, but (laughs) you, you know that's true. But it's important that you know today that God sees you, he cares about you, and you're not forgotten. I think that's important in the house today. I don't know why. I feel like there's somebody here that's overwhelmed, that's at the end of the rope, doesn't know where they're going, that doesn't feel seen, that feels forgotten, that feels worthless, that feels pointless, that wakes up every single morning wondering what the point is. I came here today to tell you God sees you and you have value in the house. Oh, my gosh. That's important. Some people, I just will set you free. Some people can't be committed to anything because they feel forgotten. It's important that you understand you're not forgotten. We, we, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I feel like God dropped me this in my spirit. I want to say this, right? We come into church, we get saved, and it's all of a sudden like we feel like we have to do some insurmountable, huge, great, large ministry for God for us to be effective it's not true instead of Enoch that he just walked with God until God took him up what does that mean it is that he found the sacred amongst the mundane those that can find the sacred the sacredness in the mundane things we do in life And commit yourself to them. Your life has great meaning. Some of us feel forgotten. We feel looked over. We feel not seen. 
because we have not been elevated to the spotlight. Can I just say to you, when you cook your dinner for your kids and you prepare a dinner for your children where your whole family can sit together in the evenings, that is not mundane. That, that is mundane, but it is sacred. It seems simple, but it is great. It seems like it doesn't matter, but it is profound. And God is establishing your little things to be great things in the hearts and the lives of men and women and boys and girls. And it matters. Some, some teachers, maybe in, in, in these rooms that teach our children, they teaching your children the word of God. It is important that you do not find that to be mundane, unseen, un, in, not, not visible. And, and I understand parents are just thankful that their kids, <laughs> they're getting a break. But regardless of whether the parents see you and appreciate you as a leader in the children's department, we may have some children leaders in here today. They rotate, and one time they come to service, and one time they don't. I want you to know if you're a teacher in the children's department, your role, although it seems overlooked, although it doesn't seem appreciated, although the staff may have never seen you come and heard you preach, I came here today to tell you you're raising up young men and women to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it matters! And it is time that we have people that will not just commit to a role for the sake of being seen, but we will have people that will commit to a role for the sake of throwing our whole self at it because sometimes the mundane things are sacred things. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) He didn't see her. But God saw her and opened up her womb. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Jacob didn't see her, but God saw her and opened up her womb. (laughs) He gave her something to work with. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Rachel may have looked sexy, but she couldn't birth any babies. And that meant something to the heart of Jacob. (laughs) Leah might have been tangly-eyed. And looked weird, but she could give birth to some babies. <laughs> oh, man. And each of these children, Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah, each of them represent her struggle to be accepted. Brooke, can you give me a tissue, please? First son I want to talk about is Reuben. Hold on just a second. I'm doing this for you. (laughs) Somebody, I don't know who, um, asked me not to look in it when I do that, so I didn't. (laughs) Um, Just want to know. It was an online viewer said, I would appreciate it if you would stop looking in your tissue after you blow your nose. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> These are the things they teach us in preaching class not to do, but I'm done with that class. And <clears throat> the first son is Reuben. First son is Reuben. She said, she gave birth to to Reuben and said, maybe he will see me. Maybe he will see me. The second son is Simeon. 
She said, when he hears, maybe hears, everybody say hears, maybe he will care about me. And then she has the third son, Levi. Levi means to be joined, connected, committed. It took her four children, and on the fourth child, she has Judah. She says, now I will praise the Lord. She said, I'm tired of doing things to be accepted by people. Now I will praise the Lord. There are a lot of similarities in the story to our own personal life for us as believers. Number one, Reuben. It is time for us as believers to begin to see things different. It's time for us as people, as non-believers, to begin to see things different, Reuben. Until you begin to see your life as misery, you will never turn to the one that is your hope of glory. This is the natural step from someone coming from death into life. Are you with me? Some of us celebrate our life so much that we can't see it for what it is. And it is good to face the fact and see our life for what it is. It's painful? Of course. It's hard? Of course. It's hard to identify what it really is in your life. Some of us are so good and proficient at seeing everybody else for who they are. And we do that because we are unwilling to look in the mirror and see ourselves for who we are. And we live miserable lives. And, and we fix other people and we point out the issues of other people. And here's the thing. They pass you up and they exit their misery while you stay in yours. Just because you have a vision to see other people's problems, they're working on their problems while you're staying in yours. God did not call you to call out issues of other men or husbands or wives or, or, or anybody else. He called you to take a look in the mirror and see yourself. Everybody's got problems up in here. Up in here? That's right. Everybody's got problems. And some of us get so if, uh, 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 just uh, uh, fixed on somebody else's problems that we never exit ours. I'm not mad at you. I don't dislike you. But I love you too much for, for, for to not come on Sunday morning and say, stop focusing on everybody else and start focusing on you and begin to see your life for what it is because God has more. There's more for you than just going through the motions. There's more for you than just the struggling every day. There's more for you than just walking in pain. There's more for you than running around by the nap of your neck by fear. There's more. There's more for you. But you, if you, if you don't see that you're in misery, you'll stay in misery. So Leah begins to identify and sees her life for what it is. And it's painful. It's painful. It's painful. You're like, oh, of course she saw. Of course she saw that Jacob didn't like her. Of course she saw that people thought she was weird and tangly out. Of course she saw that. No, she lived it. But, 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 but it's amazing to me how people can live something and it seems like they know it, but they ignore it. And, and even though it's painful, we got to go, you know what? People don't like me. People think I'm weird. People think I'm strange. But it is what it is. And God has something great for me. 
and I'm blessed beyond measure. I may not have this. I may not have the looks. I may not have the talent, but I got something. And we need to begin to know what we don't have so we can notice what we do have so we can work the thing that God has given us, the one thing that he's given us, and try, instead of trying to be something we're not and rework what we don't have. God, if God didn't give it to you, stop trying to work it. Take the one thing he gave you and work that thing for the glory of God. Quit trying to make yourself something you're not and work the one thing that you are. Come on now. We live in a world where everybody wants to be somebody else and everybody wants to do somebody, do, do, well, not do somebody else, do something else. Lord, help a brother up in here. The devil can get out of my mouth. You, everybody wants to do something, be something, do something else. Just be you. Just be you. No one can be you like you can be you. No one. No one. Okay. Oh, Lord. I'm glad you love me. So, Reuben, we have to see life differently. You cannot be a believer until you see the misery of your own life and want to change it. If you're in here today, you've been living your whole life absent of God, void of God, re rejecting God. You've got to see the misery of your own life and know that there's more. That's it. It's that simple. And turn from your misery towards your salvation. Okay. You can't do it for any other reason. You can't do it for your wife. can't do it for your husband. You can't do it for your pastor. I know you love your mom, but you can't do it for your mom. You can't do it for anybody else. You got to do it for you. That's what makes it real. The reality is many people in the world today, their vision is tangled just like Leah. And they don't see clearly where they are. So they stay where they are. God is calling us to something different. We need to stop wasting our time and losing our life over our inability and fear to face who we are in the moment. I want to I say this and then we got to move on because I'm running out of time already. But you can't change, you can't change something that you worship. Man, I'm telling you right now, that right there, you cannot change something that you worship. Some of you worship at the golden calf of your own life and your own accomplishments. Yet you want to change your life and be better. Come on, man. Come on. That's good enough with that. And even then you're not done because you have Simeon. You have to hear the word. Now, track with me. If you listen to anything, don't even listen to the commitment, even though what I'm preaching about is about commitment. Listen to this one because this one matters. Because I believe birth out of this comes a committed life. But listen to me now on this. We're going to talk about commitment, but listen to me on this. Check in. Don't sleep. Check in. Listen. Number two, Reuben, you have to hear the word. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear what God is saying to the church through his word. A lot of people come to church, but they don't hear the word. They're here, 
but their brain is in neutral. They're wondering where they're going to eat. They're thinking about the problems that they have to face when they get home, ladies, because your brain never shuts off. A dude can just straight up go into a nothing box. He can be in here and literally be thinking about nothing. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. And when you're riding in the car and you're like, what are you thinking about? He's like, nothing. He literally is thinking about nothing. Like, it's true. It's the truth up in here. I'm telling you, it's the truth. It is saying because he don't want to talk to you. It literally is nothing up there. There's a brain up there, but there ain't nothing. There there, it's like, it's like in shutdown mode. It's how we, that's how we recoup. But ladies, you can, be, you can be laying in bed. When I'm snoring, when I'm snoring, Brooke's making lists. God help you. You're always thinking about, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, like, wait, wait, listen to that guy. I think he knows all about women. I'm right on the money when it comes to this, and I don't get it. But it's true. And we can come into church and we can be making lists but not listening and hearing the word of God. Let me prove it. Because I know y'all are really spiritual up in here. But the reality, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just, listen, the reality is if I were to ask you on Thursday what I preached on Sunday, many of you will not remember. <gasps> Why are you here, Sean? I don't know. The re- it's just the way it is. It isn't that today is not important. What we're doing is we're instilling a passion for you to set under the word of God all week long. Why, why, why do I just try to tick you off with some of the things I say? Just so you'll go look it up to try to prove me wrong. Sometimes I say stuff that's wrong just to make you go look at the Bible every once in a while. You think I'm playing. I'm telling you the truth right now. So you best be checking the word yourself and quit trusting everything. I have to say, it doesn't matter anyway because you're going to get it by Thursday. Okay. It's important that we listen. Quit making lists. Quit thinking about where you're going to eat and lean in and pay attention. Write some notes down. Listen, you need to be writing some notes down on Sunday and reflecting about what God is trying to teach our church through the week. Quit just coming and hearing something and going, you, listen, you need to write it down. You're, not everybody in here is like Pastor Tim and you can remember from three years ago what I preached about. I don't even remember what I preached about three years ago. Anyway, I got that off my chest. That was really frustrating to me. But he has a gift. He has a gift. It says in the Bible that faith cometh by and hearing by the... Okay. So how do you get faith? By professing. I mean, yeah, let, me, let, me, let, me just, let me just talk about this for a second. There, have, you ever, have you ever met those people that are real big at professing? And if I professeth it muchest, then it will happeneth muchest. If I profess, if I profess it much, then my faith will grow. Just because you say you're healed, don't mean you're healed. You're still sick as ever, and you can say it all day long, but it don't make it so. Faith doesn't come by saying something. Faith cometh by, and hearing by the. Some of us got to get into the Word and hear what the Word has to say about our wellness. Are you with me today? And we need to quit professing something to look good to other people. And we need to begin to listen to what the word says in the private recesses of our life so that our life will be changed and our faith will grow and we can actually live a life of impact. Oh, my, 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 my. 
It is time that we as a generation quit looking good and looking like Christian and looking religious and actually get into the Word of God. Get into the Word. Okay, listen. It, it, it actually says this. It actually says this. Um, uh, where's that at? Um, the Bible says it is the engrafted Word of God that is able to save your soul. I actually did some research this week. I don't have any visuals for you. Just imagine it yourself. Sometimes they'll take a little bit of skin from the thigh, and they'll put a little bit of skin from the thigh, and they'll graft it to the arm. It didn't work like this. Take a little bit of skin from the thigh, put it on the arm, and then pull it off the arm in an hour. Because it takes time to graft something to something. Let me break this down for you in a way that will help you understand. Some of us come and we want to graft the word of God over our life in an hour on Sunday morning. And we want to pull it off and hope that it will stick. And the word of God from Sunday morning don't stick. It doesn't engraft into your heart. And the only word you can use for your life is the engrafted word. You can't use the word you got on Sunday. I'm preaching. It takes time you got to sit up under it a little bit. It's got to attach to your life. It's got to become a part of you until it begins to change you and reshape the way you look. And what wasn't there is there. And when you had no peace, now you have peace because the engrafted word of God has applied peace to your life. And when you had no hope, now you have hope because it's engrafted and you've stayed up under the word of God. Some of us have got to begin to hear the word of God over our lives and stay up under it long enough for it to transform us more and more to his image oh my goodness I'm done it's silly to me that we're having to preach for you to read the word of God it's silly some of you are dying on a vine and he the only hope to the thing you've been hoping for is his word his word changes it all so we got to get into his word it takes time (laughs) it takes time we got to hear his word And it's got to become engrafted into our lives. (laughs) And then there was Levi. Levi to be joined, to be connected, to be committed. Today in the life of the church, we have ceremonies. We have marriages. But people aren't really committed. People aren't really getting married. We throw rice. We sign certificates, but people aren't really committed. We go through the motions, but we're not really committed. We say in sickness and in health, till death do us part, but we're not really committed. Because at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of issues, at the first sign of of it not doing for you what you hoped it would do for you, we leave. We quit because we're not really committed. We live together. We share our bills together. We get tax break together. But we're not really committed. We're not really married. God is calling us as the church, to look different, to not be like the world. That in our submission to Him, it changes what marriage looks like in our world. 
Marriage in the church should look different than marriage in the world. I know some of you have been hurt. I know some of you have been abandoned. I understand. I understand some of your marriages have broken up, but it does not change the word of God. It is in sickness and in health till death do us part. That's his desire. That's his goal. And it is time that the church begin to look like the church. And if we make excuses for ourselves, I understand. There are some reasons in the Bible for divorce. But most of the time, they don't fall under those categories. Most of the time, he pushed the toothpaste wrong. And you just got tired of it. Most of the time, he had a six-pack. Now he has a giant pack, and it's just one. Most of the time, it just doesn't feel like it used to feel. Of course it doesn't. Her arm used to feel different. Now you're 60. It was small and tight. Now it's baggy and saggy. But if you base your whole life on your feelings, you will always run and always leave and never stay. Your feelings aren't God. God's God. Feelings aren't the truth. They're a lie straight from the pits of hell. His word is the truth. It is the only living truth in our world. Quit some of us graft our feelings to our life instead of his word to our life. Some of us will ride in the car for two hours and we're grafting our feelings over and over and over again. We're saying, I'm frustrated and I can't believe this person and I can't believe, I'm preaching to myself up in here. I can't believe that person. I can't, I'm about to kill everybody. I'm about to burn this sucker down. I can't, and you just get madder when you talk about it. Because you're engrafting that feeling and it's becoming a part of your identity. I want to go ahead and debunk some stuff in here. Some of us are depressed, not because it's medical. We're depressed because we've engrafted depression into our life. We've stayed there long enough till it's become a part of who we are. And now we have to pay doctors to try to get us out of what only the Word of God can get us out of. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh man. You know you need to lose weight when you go like this and your shirt stays up. <laughs> oh, God. You cannot have a relationship without reciprocity. You cannot get into a relationship to only get something out of it. Some of us have got to begin to give back because of all of God has given to us. It's reciprocity. I want you to ask yourself, do you give as good as you get? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that's why you can't stay anywhere. That's why many of us can't stay anywhere or work for anybody long enough or because we have we have never had Levi we've never been committed wholly committed to anything long enough to transform not only our lives but the lives of those around us you may have Reuben you may have Simeon but some of you need to have a Levi some people have never thrown their whole life at anything God's calling us to be committed. Don't just be submitted. In your closet. In the private recesses of your life. But submit your heart wholeheartedly to God. And submit your will to walk in his ways. 
and commit your will to walk in his ways. Submit your heart wholeheartedly to God and make him Lord. And commit your will to walk in his ways.